Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, today in our sermon series, we break over into the New Testament. It's been seven months in the making now, but we're finally here. And uh, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a wonderful journey going through God's Word as a church. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. So this week in the biblical narrative, again, I feel like I say this every week because every week is such a high moment in Scripture. But this week's a big moment. In the biblical narrative, because we see all of those years and decades of waiting and all this anticipating and and longing for the coming Messiah finally come to fruition. And we open up the pages of the New Testament and we see his birth. We see uh, very little of his early life, really. But then we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And that's where we're going to be this morning, because these are exciting times Again, in Scripture, I think we miss this sometimes as we read through the early chapters of the four Gospels. But you think about this. This is the point in history when God becomes a man, when the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us, when God uh, comes down and, and identifies himself with his creation, with mankind. And he does this one way through baptism. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. I'm very thankful that the Holy Spirit works these things out. You see, we, we take something from our reading plan. And again, I encourage you, if you're not reading through the reading plan, there's some in the back. Grab one on your way out and let's read through the, at least the New Testament together between now and the end of the year. But God works this out because we take a passage from that reading plan and we preach on it every week. And and I couldn't have planned doing this today. I couldn't have planned preaching on baptism when we get to baptize people. God just works this kind of stuff out. So this morning in Mark chapter 1, Mark skips all the details of Jesus' birth and he jumps right into Jesus' public ministry beginning with Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And and the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, it's really interesting. And I think uh, if we're honest, it creates a lot of questions for us because we wonder, why did Jesus even get baptized. I mean, he didn't need to be saved. He didn't need to repent. Why was he so insistent to John to to baptize him? And so we'll talk about some of that this morning, but I think the bigger question with Jesus' baptism is not what it meant for Jesus, but what's it mean for me today? What do I need to take away from Jesus going into the waters of baptism? That's what we'll try to answer this morning. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And I'll tell you what, let's just pause right there for a minute. I feel like we need to do something this morning. And that is uh, just take a moment and pray. Uh, not for us gathering here today, but for some of the churches in eastern Kentucky that can't gather together in their church house. For those families that no longer have homes. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer for our brothers and sisters in eastern Kentucky. Father, this morning we are so, so blessed to be able to come into this beautiful building to worship you, 
to baptize people right here in this building. We don't have to go to the river for this. And God, we are, we're just so overwhelmingly blessed. And God, I just pray this morning uh, for our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, Lord, that have lost so much. There's so much devastation. There's, there's death. There are, there are places that will never be the same. There are lives that will never, ever be the same after the floods of last week. And God, we just, Lord, we pray that your spirit would comfort them this morning. God, we pray that you would help them to rebuild and regroup. And God, we just pray that you would walk with them through this disaster, through this tragedy. And God, that you would heal our land. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, that being said, we are working with some of our sister churches here in Knox County to get some things over into eastern Kentucky. Uh, we're the collection point for a team from Artemis Baptist that's going to be taking a bunch of stuff that way next week. So, uh, you've probably seen it on social media. If you, need, if you have things that you want to donate, you can drop it off here at the church this week and it will get to where it needs to go. Let's turn to Mark chapter 1 now. Mark is an incredible gospel. And Mark begins by saying this. He says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, now, hold on. Can you imagine if we implemented that part of baptism in our little practice? You got to confess some sin before we baptize you, all right? Really cut down our numbers, I'm afraid. Verse 6, John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. As we read through this, just another reminder, there, there, there's no random facts in the Bible. Even all of these details, they're, they're there for a reason. And I want you to grasp... One, the magnitude of this moment, right? Because this is a big moment in history again. But I want you to even grasp the magnitude of where this is taking place. This location in the Judean wilderness, in the Jordan River. Remember a few months ago, we talked about a man by the name of Joshua who was leading God's people into the promised land for the first time. And we, we, we had all those years of wandering. And again, that was a great time of excitement and anticipation and all these different emotions. And then as, as God's chosen people finally and miraculously, remember this, they walked through the Jordan River on dry land just as they had walked through the Red Sea on dry land. They walked through the Jordan River on dry land in the Judean wilderness into the promised land. Guess where? Right here 
or this man all these years later by the name of John is baptizing these people in the Jordan River. God told Joshua, mark this location in the Jordan River because this is a special place. It's going to be a reminder for future generations. When they see these stones, it's going to be a reminder that I am a God who keeps my word. When I promise you something, I'm going to follow through with it. And now, all these years later, John is baptizing repentant sinners in that exact same spot. And Jesus, the very Son of God, comes to John to be baptized Again, to show us and remind us, God keeps His promises. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 that we talked about, when God said, I'm going to send one who will crush the head of the serpent, who will deal with sin once and for all. He's coming, and this is what we see today when Jesus steps into the water of the Jordan River. God's keeping His Word. So there's four things. Again, what does this mean for me? Why was Jesus baptized? Four things about Jesus' baptism we need to understand this morning. And the first is this, is that Jesus' baptism associated him with John's message. Now this is, this is fairly important. John preached a very specific message. He preached repentance. He said, if you're a sinner, you need to turn from and repent of your sins. This was the message of all of God's prophets. And Jesus would identify with this message and even continue to share the same message. Jesus would almost preach verbatim at times what John said, repent because the kingdom of God has come near. John would also call for baptism. And if you look at the context this morning, again, the baptism that John practiced was apparently, according to John chapter 1, given to him, directed to him by God himself. Now the Jews have been practicing baptism, at least ritual baptism for some time, but God tells John, I want you to baptize this way. And so we have this word in the Greek, it's the Greek word baptizo, and it's other forms, and they can be used in a few different cases. And one, they would use this word, for example, hey kids, welcome back. Those are, those are mine if you didn't know, I'm glad to see them back. So this Greek word baptizo is sometimes used, for example, in the case of plunging a tempered piece of steel or metal or iron into a cold bucket of water. Sometimes it's used when you're dipping a piece of cloth into a bucket of dye to change its color, or even sometimes used to describe a ship that is now sunk and, and sitting on the bottom of the sea. And so it, it, it always means to dip or submerge something completely for the purpose of changing it in some way. Sounds a lot like baptism, right? So Jesus would not only preach the same message, but he would keep the same practice of baptism going. And in the Great Commission, Jesus says what? He says, go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, the disciples would literally baptize thousands upon thousands just like this. Jesus also identified himself as the one whom John had been preaching about. John foretold of one that was coming as he prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And John would tell the crowds, literally, this is the one I've been telling you about. This is the one that God told me I would recognize when the Holy Spirit descended on him. And John would look up and he would call Jesus things like the Son of God or the Lamb of God. And so through his baptism, Jesus associates with John's message, but he also reveals himself as the one that John's been talking about. Second thing is that Jesus' baptism identified him with 
sinful men. When we're baptized, we like to say uh, things like we now identify with Jesus. We identify with his death, his burial, his resurrection. But he first had to identify with us. So Jesus, the Son of God, became a man. He became flesh. And then he, in his baptism, he's not only affirming John's message, but he's affirming John's remarks about him. And he's identifying with all of these other people who John's baptized. John has taken all these repentant sinners who've confessed their sins and are turning from their sins and they're being baptized. And Jesus is identifying with them in the waters of baptism. Basically saying the kingdom of God has come. I am here. Let's say God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John Phillips said it like this. He said, Jesus, he himself was sinless. And we know this. But by accepting a baptism of repentance at the hands of sinful man, he deliberately identified himself with Adam's ruined race. No wonder John urged Jesus not to do this. He said, I'm not even worthy to unstrap your shoe, let alone baptize you by my hands in this River. Jesus wasn't baptized because he needed to repent, but because we need to repent. And he was marking the beginning of his role. Again, we read from Isaiah in Mark this morning. And Jesus was marking the beginning of his role as the one from Isaiah, whom Isaiah said would suffer for the sins of the people. In Isaiah 53, as the suffering servant of God, and as the righteous one, as Isaiah says, who would make many righteous He took on our flesh. He identified with our baptism. He endured our temptation. And as the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus identified with us in every single way in life. Think about it. He experienced real life as a young man growing up in Nazareth. He he experienced grief. He experienced happiness. He experienced Joy and loss. He he got hungry. He got tired. He got thirsty. He got angry at people. He was even tempted by the devil himself. And he was like us in every single way except that Jesus never, ever, not even once sinned against God. But he identified with us sinful people in order to save us sinful people. Thirdly, we see that Jesus' baptism anointed him for God's mission. Being without sin allowed Jesus to do this very thing. As Jesus comes up out of the water, we see three things take place, right? We see one, the heavens are opened. The Spirit descends like a dove and God voices His approval of His Son. And so the heavens are opened all throughout Scripture on special occasions when, when God is giving vision or He's giving direction or, or even commissioning someone for a specific purpose. And one example of this is the prophet Ezekiel standing by a river kind of like this and he sees the heavens open and God gives Ezekiel a vision and he commissions him for this prophetic role that he's about to take on. Likewise, in this scene, God is from heaven commissioning the Son... For his mission, which was what? 
to seek and to save the lost by going to Calvary's cross. And then we see the Spirit descending out of heaven as a dove and resting on Jesus. And here's what we've got to understand about this scene. This is kind of important. There was never a point that the Son was without the Holy Spirit, right? There was never a point that the Spirit wasn't in Him, but now the Spirit is literally on Him. We'll talk more about that tonight. Just like priests and kings and prophets throughout Scripture, and we've read some of these stories, they were anointed by the Spirit for a specific mission or ministry. You think about this. Even the title of the Messiah means what? It means God's anointed one. And now God's anointed one is literally, visibly anointed and equipped and commissioned for this messianic mission that the Father has sent him on. And with Jesus fully embracing this role as the Messiah, as the one promised by God, as the one foretold by the prophets and even John the Baptist, the Father speaks down from heaven declaring, look, this is my son. And I am very pleased with him. Can you, can you imagine this scene just for a moment? One of the few places in Scripture where we see Father, Spirit, and Son all in one place, working together. It's amazing, really. This moment when we see God truly happy and pleased, not with us, but with His Son. He was pleased with the son's obedience. And the Bible tells us that it would please the father to bruise the son. Again, going back to Isaiah 53 and as difficult as that is to grasp. But what we see in Jesus' baptism, it's the same thing we see in all these prophecies concerning him. It's the same thing we see in the events even surrounding his birth that you'll read about this week. It's what we see in his temptation even. When you dig into what does his temptation mean, everything in The Scriptures, everything in Jesus' life is pointing to a precise moment. And that is the moment when He bears our sins on Calvary's cross as the Savior, as the Lamb of God. So that we can be saved. The final thing that I want to look at this morning. It goes back to that question we asked. What does all this mean for me? It's good to understand Jesus' baptism. It's good to understand the theological implications and what was going on here. What's it mean for me? Jesus' baptism demonstrated God's plan for me, for you. Jesus modeled baptism. He gave us an example to live by. He commanded that that believers be baptized in the Great Commission and that the church go forward and baptize new repentant believers. So yeah, you need to be baptized. But, but it's even deeper than that. God's plan for you is not just that you be baptized. Yeah, you need to be, you need to be saved. And, and here's the picture that baptism paints. I, and listen, I, I just love, I love going up here and doing this. Don't you love it when somebody gets baptized? It's an awesome picture. And, and I, someday I'm going to sit down and try and tally up how many people that we've been able to baptize. And, and it's, it's just so incredible. And, and I li- I've been down to the Jordan River. I'll just share this story for a minute. I've been down to the Jordan River. And uh, was baptized, rebaptized in the Jordan River. And if you ever get the chance and you feel like that's okay for you, not everybody wants to be rebaptized, right? I understand that. But on this pilgrimage, we'll call it, to Israel, I got the chance to go to the Jordan River in the month of January and be baptized in the cold, icy 
Jordan River, it felt a lot like when I forgot to fill the baptistry for Jim Patterson a couple months ago when we got in that icy water. But there's something special about being baptized in the same waters that Jesus was baptized in. If you ever get that opportunity, I highly encourage you to consider doing it. I even got baptized by John T. Patterson the Baptist in the Jordan River. But here's what this means for you. And here's what a picture of baptism paints. It's such a great picture that the Lord gives us. John's baptism was not just a baptism of repentance, but if, if you really dig into it, it was a baptism of death. And let me explain this, because this may be a new, a new idea for you. It's a baptism of death. Take the Jordan River itself. It's absolutely beautiful. And it starts way up in the northern parts of Israel along the, the border with Lebanon and Syria and comes out of Mount Hermon, and it's this spring, and it starts as a... We call it a creek here, and it starts as this creek, and it goes all the way down, flowing south through Israel, and it goes into the Sea of Galilee, and it comes out the other end on the Sea of Galilee, and continues south down through the, the arid region of the, Jordan, the Judean wilderness, and eventually the Jordan River dumps into the Dead Sea, and there the river itself dies. It has no outlet. It just pulls up, it goes into the ground, it evaporates, but it never goes anywhere else. It dies. It has nowhere else to go. So Jesus, think about this, Jesus walks some 70 miles from his home in Nazareth down to where John is baptizing in this very special spot again in the Jordan River to show not only that he identified with John's message and not only that he identified with sinful humanity, but just as he would be plunged into this river of death, he would literally be plunged into death for our sins. And so when we're saved and baptized, it's not just that we repent and try to do better. It's actually deeper than that. And I think this is what we, the, the mindset we need to have. When we get saved and when we're baptized, the old us needs to die. We need to put the old us to death. Paul says, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into what? His death. And so just as Jesus was crucified and died on Calvary's cross, we have to crucify the old me and the old you. We have to let that old us die. Die to our sins. Die to our selfishness. Die to our old nature. Die to our old habits. Die to that old way of life and thinking. But not just die, right? Here's the good news of this. But to be raised again, because just as Jesus came up out of that water that day and the Father said, hey, I am so pleased with my son, so would he be raised again to life on the third day when he came out of that tomb alive forevermore. And so Paul goes on to say, therefore, because of that, therefore, we were buried with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too may walk in the newness of of life. It's not just that that you're you're different. You're resurrected. You're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. And baptism teaches us that you can have a new life, that you can be saved, the old you can die, and you get to start all over brand new because of him. That's what we see in the picture of baptism every time we go to those waters. What a wonderful reminder. And so when we make that decision to follow Jesus, we need to make that first step of obedience. When you choose to be saved and follow Christ, listen, you need to be baptized. 
You need to understand what you're doing. And you need to go into the waters of baptism. And, and if you've not done that, let me encourage you to commit to that very first step of obedience and get in the water. So where are you today with all this? Here's the application. Are you still letting the old... Are you, do you have the old you on life support somewhere? Letting them just stay alive, dragging them along? You need to let the old you die. Just as Christ died on the cross, you need to put the old you to death. Do you need to start walking in that new way of life? Do you need to let that person go and start over with a brand new way of life in Jesus, being obedient to Him, following Him? Maybe this morning you're way over here and you just need to be saved. You need to start with that this morning, with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. We've run into some folks like that here recently. And if you've been saved, but you've never been baptized, you need to take that first step of obedience and get into the water. You stand with us this morning as we close in prayer. Father, this morning we, we thank You for this wonderful picture that You give us of what happens to us when we come to Christ. That the old us, the old sinful us, the broken us, the messed up us is buried with Christ in baptism, in His death. And that old man, that old woman dies, Lord, and we thank You for allowing that to happen. But Lord, you don't leave us there. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, we too can be raised to walk in a new way of life. And God, what a joy it is to walk with Jesus. What a privilege, what an honor to walk with Him every day. And God, I pray this morning, if there's someone here that's been struggling with the decision, whether it's to be saved, or if they've been saved, but they've been putting off baptism, Lord, I pray that you give them the, the courage this morning take that step and to make that decision. Lord, we thank you that you've given us every example that we need to follow. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into our world, taking on our flesh and dying for our sins so that we could be saved. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you this morning and there's a decision that you need to make, why don't you come as we sing a song of invitation? You just want to come this morning and pray at the altar, you're more than welcome to come as we say. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.